looked upon us while we were sinners, and He provided a pathway for us to have forgiveness for our sin. The amazing truth of Scripture, the amazing truth of the gospel, is that though we were sinners unworthy of God's acceptance, Jesus came to welcome us into His embrace so that we might find forgiveness for our sin. It is this amazing rescue that we celebrate through communion. It is this amazing act of Christ's rescuing love that, that uh, sees beyond our sin, sees beyond the way we've been, and sees us the way He can make us. It's that wonderful picture of Christ's welcoming love toward me, a sinner, unworthy of it, that leads us to behave in a particular way. Now, here's the thing. If what Jesus has done for us does not change how we relate to other people, then chances are either you have so forgotten what Jesus has done for you, or you've never experienced it in the first place. You see, when Jesus changes our heart and changes our life, it changes the way we relate to other people. So in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, what the Apostle Paul writes comes to play in how we relate to one another and how we relate to others um, as we encounter them. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Therefore, welcome one another... Just as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. So welcome another person is not just good etiquette. Welcome another person is God's expectation upon you and me. Now we've got a busy week this week. I don't know about you, certainly in my house, it's a busy week. For us as a family of faith called First Norfolk, it's a busy week. We have a lot of things getting ready to happen. Uh, on Friday, we have uh, uh, our Good Friday service starting at noon and, and invite you to come and bring your friends, bring your co-workers, bring your neighbors. It's going to be a 60-minute, true 60 minutes, not preacher 60 minutes. It's actually going to be noon o'clock and we're going to finish before 1 o'clock. And, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, and then uh, Saturday at, at uh, 6 o'clock, we have uh, the first of our uh, uh, Easter services. Our, uh, we'll get together here in this room at 6, and our 127 band will lead, and we'll have a wonderful time where we present the good news of Jesus Christ, and hopefully those who have gathered here with us who are far from God or struggling to find God, they'll hear the good news, and they will be rescued by Christ's love. And then uh, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, 11, 12, 30, uh, uh, here and also our Hispanic worship begins at 1 o'clock in this room. And so we're going to have worship at 12, 30. We're having over at Crossroads. But but all of these Easter worship gatherings, again, our hope and prayer is that those who are far from God or struggling to find God will gather with us 
over these next several days and meet Jesus Christ, be transformed by His grace, experience the warm embrace of His welcoming love into the family of God through His own sacrificial death on the cross for them. But friends, what Paul writes in Romans fifteen seven is for us to behave in a way that is a reflection of the way Jesus has behaved toward us. And that means that you and I are called and expected by God to welcome others the way Jesus has welcomed us. To welcome others the way Jesus welcomes us means that we make it our priority every time we gather together in this place, whether it's this Sunday or next Sunday, whether it's a special occasion or any occasion, it is God's expectation of you and me as followers of Christ to welcome people Just as Jesus has welcomed us. It means that we do the opposite of stiff-arming people. It means that we do the opposite of condemning people. It means that we do the opposite of of treating them like lower-class citizens and us as, as somehow specialized saints. It means that we welcome people the way Jesus has welcomed us. And would you agree that there is no one more holy than Jesus? Would you agree? I don't know if I got enough of that, but uh, let, let, whether you agree or not, the Bible is very clear that Jesus was sinless in every way and you and I are not. So yes, he was more holy than any of us. And yet, even in his perfection, even in his perfect holiness, Jesus welcomed sinners. Get the picture. The holy one, the sinless one, God himself made it his business to welcome a woman at a well in a village of Samaria, a woman who had made poor moral choices pretty much all her adult life, a woman who was ostracized by many others, and yet Jesus, the Holy One, opened his arms to her to have a conversation with her, to embrace her with acceptance and love. Doesn't mean that he said, you can behave the way you want to behave. It just meant that he treated her with love and respect and kindness. He welcomed her. The, 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 the more personal example is you and me. You and I, we're, 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 we're not high on the holiness list either. And yet even in our sinfulness, even in our wickedness, even in our bad choices, even in our questionable moral uh, posture, Jesus has opened his arms to us. And even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we hear Paul write, welcome the way Jesus has welcomed you, that means that you and I first need to, 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 to help the weak. We need to help those who are weak. Now, uh, when you look at verse 7, it says, therefore, you know, Romans 15, 7, therefore welcome others. You got to see what the there is, uh, what the therefore is there for, right? Well, why does he say therefore? What's he referring to? To what is he referring? Well, you go up to verse 1, and in verses 1 through 6, he's he's describing the situation or the, the characteristics of what it means to welcome others the way Jesus has welcomed you. And so in verse 1, he begins by saying, uh, uh, by, by uh, describing, I better look, uh, he begins by, by, by writing, we then who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and that not to please ourselves. 
The picture there in verse 1 is that we are called to help those who are weak in their failings or weak in their character. The picture is someone who doesn't quite know how to live their life in accordance to what God wants. Now, I've been there. How about you? But what Paul says is he says, you and I, we need to help those uh, who are faltering and falling in their weakness. Those who, who don't know the rules uh, of church. Now, we get together every weekend and there are people who gather with us. And, and, and if we're going to help them, uh, bear with them, undergird them, strengthen them in their own failings. Uh, there are people who gather with us who are far from God or striving to find God. Uh, who don't really know God. And they get here and, and, and we are supposed to view them and look beyond what is written on their skin and see their heart. We're supposed to encounter them and look beyond the clothes that they're wearing and look at their heart. We're supposed to look beyond the color of their skin and look at their heart. We're supposed to look beyond the, 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 the messages that are on their shirts and look at their heart. We're supposed to look beyond the hat that they wear on their head and look at their heart. It is not our job to be the, the, the clothes police. We're supposed to move beyond the wardrobe and see that person as God saw you. And friends, you can dress up a stinky pig, but you're still a stinky pig. And apart from Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're wearing a tie or a fancy dress, you are still a sinner. And so many of us, what we do is we try to dress up our sinfulness with fancy clothes. People who don't know God, they don't even know that that's an option. So they come to this place the way they are, brokenhearted, searching for life and meaning and purpose, and we stop them at the door and say, you better take that hat off. And the answer is no. They say, well, they need to respect this sacred space. They don't know this is sacred space. And by the way, I think God is more interested in your behavior as a follower of Jesus honoring this sacred space than he is about somebody wearing a hat coming into a house. We need to welcome others by embracing them the way Jesus... Aren't you glad Jesus didn't measure your qualifications of being part of his family by what clothes you wore? The clothes you wore around your heart. The clothes that, 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 that were the, the characteristics of your, of your nature. Aren't you glad that Jesus determined that he was going to love you and die on a cross for your sin? Even though you didn't behave in a way that was appropriate to him? You think about it. Why is it that we who are now on this side of forgiveness... Look at people who are on the wrong side of forgiveness and act like they need to start behaving like we do. And if they don't, they're not welcome here. Let me tell you something. That is, that is an affront against holy God, and it's a violation of God's expectation for us as a people. So what we need to do is we need to help the weak. We need to look beyond a wardrobe or skin on a, uh, uh, riding on a skin or, 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 or having our rules and regulations and saying that's what matters. No, what matters is we help somebody who's far from God find new life in Christ, and that means we help them. We look beyond their wardrobe or the color of their skin or what's written on their skin. 
or, or whether or not they're wearing sandals rather than fancy shoes, whether they're wearing a, a, a nice coat or, uh, rather than a, 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 a T-shirt with, with questionable markings on it. My goodness, if, if, if I never quite understood, why in the world would we tell somebody who has a curse word on their shirt that they're not welcome in the very place where that curse word can be erased from their heart and their mind. They can find new life in Jesus Christ and they can be transformed by God's grace. But we in our, only, all, in our little holy huddles are so offended by a curse word that many of you probably have already said at least once or maybe even thought twice, uh, maybe even are thinking right now. Uh, and and, and, and we, we don't like people to come in with a, that word on their shirt. Let me tell you something. I'd rather them come in here, have that shirt, sit on the front row, and meet Jesus Christ and have their lives forever changed. Let's stop playing this silly church game where we're holier than thou. In verse 1, Paul says, we need to bear up the scruples, the failings of the weak. Now, it also, it also means that we need to take a walk with people. Don't just sit in judgment or point the finger for them to go a certain way. We need to take a walk with people. You know what happens when you take a walk with somebody? You begin to de- develop a, a friendship with them, and you develop care for them and concern for them. And there are people that are going to come here, and they come here every weekend, and they get into the parking lot, and they try to figure out the maze that is the buildings of First Baptist Church Norfolk. They try to figure out where the east entrance is and the north entrance and the south and the west. I've been here for 13 years. I still don't know where north, south, east, and west is. I'm still looking for the west entrance. We don't have one. Maybe, maybe you come to the town hall meeting tonight at 5. Maybe we can discover how we can get a west entrance, right? Um, People are going to come here next weekend, and you and I can be so consumed with what's going on in our life on Easter Sunday that we forget that people who gather here for the first time, they don't know where to get and how to get from point A to point B. We need to help them. We need to help, help them carry the little baby basket with the child in it. Help them say, don't, don't just point the way you go down here and take a right at the light and take a left over here. You actually need to walk with them and show them the way. Have them sit next to you. I mean, that, that's what we're supposed to do. That's welcoming somebody. We need to help the weak. And when we help the weak, we also need to please others, not ourselves. The end of verse 1 says, not pleasing yourself. And then verse 2, Paul goes on, he says, he says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So he's making a, a, a comparison here. Stop Stop trying to please yourself, start pleasing somebody else. If we're going to welcome people every time we get together, which is what God's expectation is for us, then we need to stop thinking that we're the center of the universe and the world revolves around us. When we get here next week, can I tell you, and I'm just going to give you, I'm going to lay it out for you because I know y'all are looking at the clock. Please others, not yourself. Stop parking in guest parking. It's not your parking spot. Stop it. I, th- I mean, you're not entitled. You're not a guest. Stop, sp- stop parking there. If we're going to help others and please others, we need to give them the special spot. Not you. Them. You've got a special spot in heaven. Praise His name. 
Stop acting like you own that parking lot. You don't. That's not your spot. If it says guest parking, don't park there unless you're a guest. And then please park there. I so desperately want to go out with a camera and take pictures. And then on Sunday morning after Easter, post the pictures of the people that are parking in the guest parking spot. That's what I want to do. And the staff have not fully convinced me that I shouldn't do it yet. Look, we're supposed to please others. You know what you're saying when you, you've been a member here for 20 years and you keep parking in the guest parking spot? You, you know what you're saying? You don't care. You don't care about guests. You don't care about it. All you care about is yourself. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm sorry, but God expects more from you than that. It means, it means if we're going to please others, it means that we're going to give the best spots to other people. Aren't you glad you're in a church where there is no such thing as VIP sitting? It's open for everybody. Except on mornings when we have Lord's Supper and all the deacons. Look, I know everybody wants to sit right where the deacons are right now. I know y'all are just dying to get on the front row so you can sit with such anticipation, listening so intently to what I have to say. The deacons are happy to give up their seat. Yeah, that's what they said. I'll give up my seat, preacher, please. You, you know, when, when we have Easter weekend, that, that means that some of us, maybe we need to come to the Saturday night service. Maybe we need to come to the 8 o'clock service. Maybe we need to come to the 1230 service. You say, why? Well, because the majority of guests who are far from God or struggling to find God, they're going to come either at 9.30 or 11. Now, we want you here, and, and maybe you don't have any other options. Maybe God didn't lay that on your heart. Don't. I'm not trying to lay law on you. I'm just saying. If you come here at 9.30 and you see other people are struggling to get in, just give up your seat. Let them have it. The, the other thing I'd say is, is, is we, need to, we need to help others. Maybe you need to serve an hour and worship an hour. You know, we need people to serve. A, a, a vast majority of things we've got going on. You know, we have worship care every single week, but, but on Easter from birth, uh, birth to four-year-olds, we've got them in worship care, and we need your help. And maybe that's what you can do at 9.30 or 11. You, you, you do worship care. We have a special needs ministry, one of the most exciting ministries we have in our church. And this special needs ministry where we have qualified in, uh, individuals and, and passionate individuals who help the children, uh, uh, the families with special needs children. And, and you can be a part of that. You can help on Easter Sunday to be a minister to someone who has special needs. Listen, we have the opportunities out there, but you, you're going to have to serve. And maybe you need to serve an hour and, and worship an hour. Ultimately, you know, I, I know that, I know that it, it gets hard sometimes, but we're supposed to open the door to hope for, for those who need it. That, that's, that's really what our role is next week and, and really every week and through the welcome is, is we're supposed to open the door to hope for those who are far from God or striving to find God, struggling to find Him, to know Him. We need to open the door to hope. In verse 4, Paul talk, is talking about Scripture and he says, okay, Scripture is given 
has been given to us and, and, and it, it edifies us and it builds us up so that we might have hope in verse 4. It's given to us for our instruction so that we might have hope. Now, Scripture is what gives hope, right? But you and I open the door for that Scripture taking root in the heart of someone who is far from God or struggling to find God. They get in here and, and, and they, they're sitting right where you are next week and, and they're listening to the message and, 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 and then you get antsy in your seat and you start feeling like the your clock is ticked out and 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 for whatever reason for whatever reason you decide now's the time for you to get up and it's almost to the end of the message and it's time for you to get up and go and so you and your family you get up and you start walking out because you didn't put your pot roast in a crock pot or you're afraid there are going to be too many people at the restaurant. You're not going to get in. And for whatever reason, you decide we're going to get up. And, and all of a sudden, uh, at the end of the message, when the gospel, the good news of Christ's amazing love is being presented, and individuals who are far from God are being faced with an opportunity to choose Christ, to reject Him, you're getting up and clambering around them so you can get home. Stop it. Don't do it. God will uh, supernaturally intervene on your pot roast. And it will not dry out, saith the Lord. Look, don't be a distraction to people next week. Or any week. Be an open, open that door to hope. Let Let them see the hope in you. Which leads to the last thing, and that's just be a good host. The, the, the verb for welcome in verse 7 is a verb that means open your home and do the things that are appropriate as a host. Now, we need to be a good host. That means we need, to, we need to, to, to celebrate the joy that is in us, that is given to us by the person of Jesus Christ. It's Resurrection Sunday. We've got a reason to sing and dance and shout for joy. And we need to walk around with that joy in our life and joy written on our face. So turn the frown upside down and smile a little bit at people that you see. I know that you and I are going to come here and there may be reasons that you want to get all distressed and despairing and and be sourpuss and all that kind of stuff. I know that there are reasons for that. We all have reasons for that. Uh, Maybe you didn't get to listen to your your preacher preach on the radio on your way to church uh, that that morning. Maybe maybe you got distracted because you had to park it uh, across the way and get ride the shuttle and you you didn't get to park and visitor parking because you aren't a visitor, but you didn't get to park there this time. Maybe that irritated. Maybe you got irritated because you walked down the hall and somebody didn't say hi to you and they should have said hi to you because they, you know that they know who you are and they didn't say hi to you. But for whatever reason, you allow the things of this world to wrap up around your heart and you start walking around with a sour face and a sour heart and a sour attitude. Stop it! It's Resurrection Sunday. Get your focus on Jesus and celebrate the life that he's given you and that he was raised from the dead to purchase for you. Today, let's live in that joy and let's smile a little bit. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. It won't hurt. Well, maybe it will some of you. Just be kind. Be nice to people. Be a good host. You have Jesus in your life. He's forgiven you of your sin and given you a new life. 
people you encounter, maybe they don't have Jesus. They're devastated on the inside. They're going to judge who God is based upon how you treat them. I want you to hear that. People who are far from God, who are struggling to find God, they're going to come next week and every week, and they're going to evaluate who God is by how you treat them. And me. So let's show them who God is. So, my challenge to all of us is to welcome. Welcome people as Christ has welcomed you. And remember, that's the model. The model is not me. The model is not my ideas. The model is what Jesus has done for you. You might say, well, people need to, you know, they need to, they need to understand where they're coming. Oh, that's just silly. When Jesus died on the cross for you while you were still a sinner. He offers you forgiveness before you earned anything except judgment and hell. I mean, that's how we're supposed to treat people. You say, Pastor, you're just asking too much. I'm not. That's why God gave you His Spirit. So that the fruit of the Spirit might come alive in you. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. So let's grow up as followers of Jesus. And let's welcome others the way Jesus has welcomed us. Would you bow your heads, please? Uh, I just want to encourage you. He's in, the, in the last few moments of this message, I just want to encourage you right now to begin to pray. Right now, just begin to pray. Pray, pray, pray earnestly for uh, those that God is drawing to himself right now, those that God has prepared for, uh, uh, for that glorious moment when they see who God is and see what Jesus has done for them. Pray that there would be a spiritual uh, awakening in Hampton Rose because what God does next weekend uh, in, in, in our church. Pray for those uh, who are far from God that, that they would find new life in Christ. Pray for a revival among God's people called First Norfolk, that we would come a, alive uh, with his purpose and his passion, that, that we would stop being stuck in our own little selfish worlds, but, but that we would uh, be, become people emblazoned with a passion for God and his glory. Uh, pray, for, pray for people by the hundreds to come to faith in Jesus Christ next week. Let us join in the celebration of heaven. So, Father, right now, I just pray that we would earnestly do all that we can to help people who are far from you or struggling to find you. Help, help them find life in Christ. Lord, for all of us who are here, help us to invite our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers, and people we meet on the street to come gather with us. And, and when they come, help for us to welcome them. And as, as we welcome them, help them see your character of love. And, and then as, as your word begins to speak to their heart, oh God, I pray that by your spirit you would awaken in them the faith to repent their sin and to trust in Jesus as their only hope for forgiveness in life. God, we pray for hundreds 
to come to faith in you. Thank you, O Jesus, for the glorious love you've displayed by dying on a cross for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing together.